0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. So glad that you could be here today. It's a special day at Bright Church. It's a special day because here it is Vision Sunday. And uh, Vision Sunday is exciting, uh, but it's, all, it's especially exciting today because I feel like God has given us not just a, a vision for next year, but really a, a, a vision for our church moving forward. And it really will have a significant impact on, on, on who we are and the, the, the course that we chart. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that. I think we've had a phenomenal year. Out of the last three, this last four months have been my favorite. This might be my favorite year out of the last three. I think that we've had a great year. We actually themed the year overflow. If you, if you knew, if you didn't realize that, we themed this year overflow and it's really birthed out of that principle that we see in the Bible, which is the principle of sowing and reaping. And I believe that that's a principle that you can apply today, but you often see the reward of that tomorrow. Because what do we do in the season that we're in? We sow good seeds. And you cannot hope to harvest something, unless you first sow something. So it doesn't matter what it is. If you want to reap good things financially in your future, you've got to make good financial decisions today. You know, and 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 we always, to be honest, we always harvest. Uh, we're always in the harvest of the things that we've sown in the past. You know, it does happen. And so our our whole plan was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna sow good seeds in the season that we're in, and then in the future we're gonna reap a great harvest. And this year, man, we have reaped a great harvest. We wanted to see people grow. And, and their relationship with God we wanted to see people develop and we've abso- absolutely seen that one of the unintended consequences of theming the year overflow was that we had a lo- we, look honestly guys and I do apologize to the east coast of you know Australia because we have had so many floods I didn't know it was going to be taken so literally to be honest right we've been praying for overflow and we got floods so I thought yeah if we're smart we can make this work for us so next year we're theming it uh uh drama free in 23 and I just thought, come on, like, you know, isn't that good? Like, you know, we, we, I'd be, I just, I don't know about you. I'm, I'd just be happy to settle for a drama-free year. Like if we could just have that, you know, like I'm just, I'd be, I'd be excited for, to have summer and a drama-free year in, in 23. I'm totally making this up. That's completely not true. But, um, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, about our theme for next year in just a moment. But uh, this is a significant uh, day for uh, myself and Pastor Sarah, uh, believe it or not. But this is the last Sunday in a series of 10 years since we took over Bright Church. It's like a whole decade. I take it by your clapping that you're excited. You, you have felt very affirming for me. So thank you for clapping, um, you know, and, and it has felt good. And we've, we've learned so many things over the last 10 years. And there's been so many messages preached and so many uh, great things that we've seen, the, the harvest and the fruit of things that we've sown in the last 10 years. But I would say, in all honesty, that the last 12 months have probably been the, the absolute best. In the last 12 months... We have seen uh, more healings than I've ever seen in a 12 month period. We've seen more people baptised in the Holy Spirit than I've seen in a 12 month period. If we talk about actual baptisms, we have had so many people actually get baptised. If you're not baptised, let us know. We'll book it in for next year. We've seen lots of people get baptised and we talk about financially. We're in the best position that we have ever been in. We have never been in this position before and I'm so grateful for that. We we guys, we have added more partners to our church in the last 12 months than we have added, uh, I think, as far back I can remember just so many people that just come through and, and making this church their home church and I, I, I'm excited about a bunch of things I, I went to pick up my son from youth on a Friday night man I was excited about that I mean youth has literally gone from wherever it was let's not talk about that uh, and, and it's grown like last I went to youth on Friday night and they had 50 kids running around. It was like Lord of the Flies and it was awesome, you know? And I want to see more of that, you know? I want to see more of those things. I don't know about you, but in all honesty, I think, you know, the more I do church life, the more I lean into the things of God, I reckon it's like drinking salt water. The more you get, the thirstier you get. And I do, I'm hungry to see more things in my lifetime. Don't you want that? Like don't you honestly want that? It's not just something that we just show up to. I mean, gosh, if if at the end of our lives we honestly look back and reflect and we said, "Boy, we attended a lot of meetings." Woo, yeah. <laughs> I'll be disappointed to be honest, you know. I don't want to just attend meetings. I want to see the presence of God and and I want to see it shift people's hearts and I want to see people change their lives and I, I do want to see more people get healed and I I want to see those things and I'm I'm believing for those things. And of course, and and even more so in our church. I just, I don't want to see anything left behind. I don't want to leave anything behind when I go, you know? I I don't know when it's going to happen. Hopefully not for a long time, but I don't want to leave anything on the table because the way I see it is that we are here for such a short time. Did you know that? Yeah, you were not very excited about that. I I understand, sure. Um, You know, so yeah, we're going to, anyway, but, but, but that's the practical reality. We are here for a short time. We've got eternity to think about what we did with our lives here on planet Earth. And I believe that you are called by God to make a difference. Yeah. You know, you, you have been created for such a time as this. It's no accident that you exist. It's no accident because there is a plan for your life. There's purpose on your life. And I would say that towards, you know, the end of our lives, whenever it is, or even throughout our lives, we're actually meant to pass that on. Yeah. Do you know what we call that? Legacy. We're passing something on. And I don't want to be a church that just passes on, you know, the spiritual things. I want to be a church that passes on even more things than that to the to the coming generation. There, there's actually a story in the in, in the scriptures in the Old Testament about a prophet, the prophet called Elisha. And Elisha uh, was discipled by a man named Elijah, prophet of God. And so the prophet uh, Elijah, it said, I learned this recently, that he did 14 miracles that were like big, significant miracles in his life and I'm sure he did many many other things and then the, the prophet Elisha actually prayed for, he, he said, I want a double portion. So whatever Elijah got, I, I want a double portion. And if you read through the scriptures and, and do the count, it's it said that Elisha did 27 significant miracles. Now, some some biblical scholar is probably going to come and say, that's not what it really means to have a double portion. You can't just add it up, right? But I reckon that there are numbers are important in the Bible. And, and, and I think that there is something significant that, that Elijah had 14. And elisha had 27 not quite double it's almost like he it's almost like he left something behind yeah yeah, yeah? yeah. well interestingly there is a story a, a, as it continues that after they buried the man called elisha yeah. that there was these moabites those pesky moabites right and and here they were and they were they were uh, marauders and they were coming and the people um, of Israel they were like quickly we need to bury they were burying people and I this is a low point of the story but you know they're they're burying people and they could see these guys coming so quickly bury him they put him in the grave of elisha hits the bones of elisha back to life and standing on his feet that would have surprised everyone that's a pretty cool story yeah? yeah 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 but it's actually kind of a sad story too isn't it if you think about it if you really think about it because he actually left something behind There was meant to be something that he passed from one generation to the next. So Elijah managed to pass pass it to Elisha. But Elisha, you know who Elisha was going to pass it to? Frank. You've never read about Frank. You know why? Never passed it on. Elijah, Elisha and Frank, Right. (laughs) So I've never heard of this, Frank. And you never will. You know why? Never happened, guys. Never happened, right? Frank could have been the third prophet in a succession of prophets, right? But we'll never know. I don't know what his name was going to be. But anyway, it's not the point, right? The point was there was nothing that was passed on. Guys, we've got to pass something from our lives and impart it to the next generation so they can run the race that's marked before them. I think it's important that there would be an impartation onto the next generation. What an indictment it would be upon our generation if we didn't do everything we can to set up the next generation. You know, I hope that Jesus comes back in my lifetime. I reckon that that would be great. And to a certain extent, we need to live like He's coming back tomorrow. So all things for the for the kingdom of God. But you know what? If we were wise, we would plan like He's not. Because for the last two thousand years, everyone said these are the last days, and they weren't wrong. These are the last days. But the last days are seeming to tarry a little bit. You know, they're like these are the last days. It might be the last days for another five hundred years. I, I don't really know. Nobody knows except the Father. But at the end of the day, we need to imagine what happens if Jesus doesn't come back so we can set up future generations to win and, and, and pass something on to them. So I think of this church, when this church was planted, it wasn't planted by me, that there's always been something significant on this church. And I believe that we're about to step into a season of significance, like in a way that we haven't done that before. I think, I really believe that this is going to be a season of significance for us as a church. And God has been speaking to me about alignment. To be honest, I feel like the, the last however many years, there's, there's been this alignment that needs to be in place. You know, when a, if we were going to talk about alignment and church, we talk about systems, uh, we talk about structure, we talk about serving, we talk about staff, we talk about the spirit. These are five things that we would want to see in the church. And when you start to get alignment in those five areas, do you know what we get? We get unity. And man, is that needed today. You know? Like in our churches, we need unity. I reckon the church has gone through a really tough time, especially over the last couple of years. You know, and even as we see things play out in the news and media, right? But that's that's not a picture of the whole church. That's like a like a, a, a tiny, tiny fraction of, of what God is actually doing on, on the earth. There are so many good things that God is doing. And what we need and what this world needs is strong churches that have unity, that stand side by side, that minister together and do significant things in the name of Jesus. Do you believe me? So um, I, was, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about last night's appointment of our of premier for the next four years. Don't know how you feel about that. Um, most of you are Christians, so probably not great about it. Um, you know, because look, the, the reality is, he, I don't think, let's just say he doesn't have Christian values. Could we say that? I, th- I feel like that would be a pretty safe thing to, to, to say. Um, you know, so I don't know how you feel about that. But honestly, God is sovereign. I'll tell you the appointments I am excited about. Pastor Nick Vanderspeck. Come on now, there's an appointment. And if you ask me it should have made the news and why didn't it i agree absolutely you know i i nick has as a shepherd's heart and and i think pastor ruth has been absolutely amazing at doing multiple jobs at the same time that's what ministry is like spinning multiple plates you know but but she's done an outstanding job and i reckon pastor nick's gonna be absolutely amazing you know you know the other guy i'm really excited about who is it yeah pastor aaron yeah, yeah. i i'm i'm gonna say that I, there is such a significant call on, on Pastor Aaron's life. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I was at youth on Friday night. I saw it. It was awesome. I can see more. I can see. I, I really can. I, honestly, I can see more. I, I, I really believe Pastor Aaron's going to lead youth in, in their hundreds. And, and I'm telling you right now, uh, this is the season that's upon us as a church. It's going to be significant, you know, what it is. And so I, I'm, I'm real excited about those things. I think like next year as a church, we're g- next year as a church, we're going to raise our first million dollars. Yeah, our fair, yeah that's exciting. Um, we actually are going to do that and I'm, and I'm super excited about that. And then we're going to, you know, in the, in the years to come, we're going to buy our first building. You know, isn't that exciting? So so I think that those things are super important. And you'll notice what I'm saying first, the first of, uh, of you know, in, in God's will, many things that we're going to do. And um, I, I'm really believing for it. I, I I think that what we're going to do in the season ahead is really establish that legacy for future generations. And I'm going to say something to you now that, honestly, I told people that I would never say this publicly. I I said, I'll I'll never say this with a microphone in my hand, but I'm going to do it right now. And here it is. I actually think that COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us. I said, yeah, I know. And I said, because I'm going to say that and someone's going to say... I can't believe you said that. You know I, I, I don't know how, how it was for you personally. so you know, um, you know we, we hated it. Come on, it wasn't great. I'm not guys, I'm not praying for it. I'm not asking for it. I'm not saying let's go back there. It's like we're clear, we're moving on. that's great. But I actually think it was one of the greatest things that happened not only to Bright church, but to all churches. Because you know what it did? It gave us a lens that we didn't have before. And evidently, it's a lens that you can get once a century. That's what the pandemics, apparently, they come up about once a century. And, and and that was ours. And it gave us a lens through which to look not just at our culture in general, but to look at church, to look at our church and other churches was doing the same thing. It was quite introspective. And they were looking at, you know, what we do as churches. And one of the interesting things that we saw is that, people had become so accustomed to Christian community that they might not even have been growing in their faith. And they just thought that by an osmosis that they were going deeper with God. But in in that season, what it revealed is without community, God wasn't as present in their life. And I think Christian community is very important. We, We got to gather together. Come on, the scriptures talk about that. But if your faith disappeared because we couldn't come together, maybe it wasn't always built on the foundation that it was supposed to be built on. And as the church, and I'm sure I know many churches did this, they looked inward and they said, hey, how are we really discipling people? I'll say something else to you right now. And this this may not apply to you. I I recognize that it might not apply to everyone. So I get that. I I understand that. But I noticed something on mass that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't had the opportunity to see it before because we'd never been in a, a pandemic. Pandem- pandemic, But I noticed that when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they had a resiliency that people that didn't have the Spirit didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. I just They were just more resilient. And I could see that. And I, I spoke to other pastors and leaders and we began to speak about this. And, and, and I said, yeah, the, the, the people that I see that are filled with the Spirit, they just seem to bounce back stronger. Like they have this hope that's unwavering, this hope that doesn't seem to leave. And maybe you're not filled with the Spirit. And if you're not, and you might have handled it well, but I'm just saying on mass scale, I saw that. And it made me think, you know, it does make sense. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, and I don't feel like I'm stretching this. Maybe the reason that Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come was because He knew that we were going to need the Spirit to be able to bounce back from all the things that we'd go through in ministry life. It's that resiliency that we have. And, you know, whenever we do ministry and the church grows and expands, it's it's not always easy. But what did Jesus say to His disciples? I mean, they'd spent three years with them in the presence of Jesus. He mentored them one-on-one in the flesh for three years. And he turned around and said, you still don't have what it takes to be able to do what I'm about to ask you to do. He said, if you want to do what I'm asking you to do, the thing that you will need is the presence of the Spirit of God. You're going to need that dunamis power. That's what it is. That's what the word power, you will be filled with power. It's the word dunamis. We're going to need some of that in us in order to do everything that God has asked us to do as disciples of His. And it just made sense to me. And I I don't know what your devotional life was like during COVID. Like, I know for some people, it might have just gone out the window. And so, look, and honestly, if things didn't go well for you, and I know it didn't go well for a lot of people, and we all, like I say, we all, you know, hated that. But can I be honest? My devotional life was the best it's ever been in my entire life. You know, I woke up every morning and I thought, well, I've got time today, so... You know, like, what have I got on for the day? I don't know what it is, but it's going to be online, you know. And and it was just, my days were pretty easy to plan apart from homeschooling. And I've repressed a lot of that and got counseling for it, everything that you need to do. And, you know, because that honestly sucked. I can't tell you how much I, but I can barely remember because that's what you do when you silo and, you know, anyway. But but (laughs) honestly, you know, apart from the pressure that came with, with doing that, I had time. And my spiritual life, In all honesty, it it went to another level. I I spent more time in prayer, more time reading my Bible, more time going into the things of God than I'd ever been able to do in my life. And you know what happened? It started to change me. It started to stir me from, from the inside. And I started to look at, you know, just you know, who we were as a church with the lens that we now had through the pandemic. And I, God started to stir my heart for something more significant than what we'd spoken about in the past. And the reality is, I think a lot of the things that he spoke about, they were, they were probably in there um, all, all along, but it really began to be drawn out. And I, I looked at the vision that we had as a church and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, a lot of churches have got vision and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. You know, what we want to be a passionate and growing church that reached the lost and raised leaders to change the world. I thought, yeah, that's awesome. But it just wasn't exhaustive. It it didn't incorporate everything that I really saw in in my mind's eye. It didn't incorporate everything that I believe God had called us to do as a church. And I I recognized that it was time to actually, you know, be totally transparent about what God was really saying. And it's time to shift with what God is shifting us towards and, and to move in the direction that I really believe He's calling us to move into. And the practical reality of it is that we've already been like moving in this direction for some period of time now. And I think all the stories and the testimonies, we celebrate those things, yeah? Yeah. Like, you know, you're seeing seeing more people baptised in the Spirit, more people getting baptised, more more people being healed. Like, uh, we celebrate that. But I think that's a result of having spent the last 12 months leaning more towards that direction, yeah? yeah? And we have got to lead in that direction because you know what we call that? We call that partnership. We've got to partner with God because everything that the disciples learned in their day and one thing that we know in our day is that we cannot do what God has asked us to do unless we do it with Him. Amen? So let me read to you because God said this to all of His churches. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is that about? It's about partnership. So he's saying, I'm sending you to do some things And I will be with you. And not only that, when Jesus ascended to the Father, He sent the promise of His Spirit, right? And so He came to help us do what we need to do as well. When we read that Scripture, we call that the Great Commission. It's called the Great Commission because it's something that all of us are supposed to do. So if you happen to be here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, then what I just said to you, I'm telling you, there's a part for you to play in that. And so that's the Commission, And our commission is God's mission. God's always had one mission, and it's this. And He's sending us to do that. So what are we really meant to do as a church? As the church, as God's church, we are supposed to be establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Yeah? Some of you are looking like... "Mm." Convince me. No, it's just in there. Trust me. (laughs) That's what we are supposed to be doing. I mean, if you think about it, if you read the Lord's Prayer, what does the Lord's Prayer say? You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's interesting about that is that God seems to choose to work through us when He wants to establish His reign. Yes, yes. Look back through the Old Testament. If you look through the Old Testament, what did it say? That that God would do a cleansing work by driving out other nations and correcting things and shifting things and changing things. And in the Old Testament, God was establishing His rule and reign through His nation, Israel. And they tried to do it by law and works. But when we do it in the New Testament, we do it by spirit and grace. And so one of the things we need to do is first see the kingdom of God before we can ever establish the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So what am I talking about? Well, we've got to get vision for what God wants to do on planet Earth. And part of getting that vision is to say, well, if His kingdom is meant to come to Earth and He chooses to work that through us, then maybe what we really need to do is understand the kingdom of God so we can establish it here. It just totally makes sense to me. People want to say, oh, does your church have a mission? It's probably the other way around. I think the mission has a church. Do you get that? So God has one mission and He's sending us to do it. Guys, there's no one else coming. (laughs) You know, there's no one else. He's not not like giving us a crack and then says, look, if you can't nail it, I will turn to the animal kingdom to establish (laughs) my kingdom. And, you know, let's give them a go. No, He's not going to do that. There's no other people group on planet earth because Christians, as followers of Jesus, we get a unique insight into the things of God that no one else has. And therefore, I see it to be incumbent upon us to take what we see and establish it. Does that make sense? So what are we doing? Well, we've got to establish the kingdom of God. And part of the way that we do that is we outwork the gospel. We outwork the gospel and the gospel is not just like a, a sentence that we say, and we do say it in a sentence, but it has profound impact on who we are as people. So as if we're gonna be people that go after the gospel, it's not just you know, an altar call moment where we say to people, hey, if you haven't met Jesus, come meet Him you know, and, and give your life to Him. But the gospel is that in some ways. The gospel is the most encouraging message we will ever hear on planet earth. That God loved us before we did what? one right thing that he came for us he, he, he made a covenant for us and since we could never represent ourselves in that covenant with God in the past because we always broke and failed at our end of that covenant agreement, what did Jesus do? He said, well, tell you what, I'll represent you and God will represent Himself. We'll put this deal together and then give it to you as a free gift. That's grace and that's beautiful. And so what do we have? Well, we, 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 we're not self-righteous. We wear the righteousness of Christ because God didn't exchange our for life for his perfect one and now we walk in the favor of god i mean does it get better than that come on that is an awesome message you know and it's not just about saying that message in moments but we're actually meant to express that message we have to express it people have got to see it it can't just be head knowledge everything that we know must eventually give way to expression in our lives yeah and so I feel like God is calling us to give more expression to those things. It's important that we do. And so what are we? We, we are the church and the church is God's eclectic community. There is one universal church in, in, a, in a sense. It's all the people that follow Jesus and we are part of that. But then even in the New Testament, there were local churches in cities and, and different churches. They would have seen themselves as part of one church, but they did form people groups and you know, bright churches just like that. So what's the church? Well the church is all of us that follow him, led by some of us that follow him. Yeah? yeah? That's how the church is meant to work and what's the structure that i talk about well i mean it's really easy to see you could read it in um you know ephesians chapter 4 that the church really should be led by apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers and we start to get that that structure we start to get that alignment and then we see God start to do really significant things. So what do we do as a church? Well, the church is led by those gifts, but at the same time, we pull our collective talents and calls and gifts and graces together. And as we do that, we use them all to seek the kingdom of God, to establish it. You may not even realize this, but I'll tell you right now, there is a call of God on your life. What does the scripture say in Corinthians? Paul writes them and says, let each person live as he is called we're all called what's ministry geez if ministry is up to me and i'm this is the only expression of it we are really lacking that means for a couple of hours a week we're doing ministry that's not ministry Ministry is God working through you wherever you are. What's your mission field? It's your business. What's your mission field? It's your workplace. What's your mission field? It's your sporting club. It's your family. It's Christmas lunch. It's it's all of these things. Your mission field is wherever you are, because wherever you are, God wants to work through you. There's a call on your life. And you know what? Sometimes we see people that are incredibly talented in in life and they they are just naturally skilled. But I'll tell you, it's more than that. You have at least one spiritual gift. Seriously, you do. Whether you realize it or not, the Scriptures say that each person has at least one spiritual gift. So there is something that God has given to you and it's your job to steward that and use it and we pull our collective talents and, and, and and our gifts together and we use everything that we've got to do what? Go after that one thing that's worth everything, which is to establish the kingdom of God on planet Earth. And I think that we want to, I don't know about you, but even as I say this, I don't know if you're excited. I'm excited. Uh, I mean, I, I'm literally preaching myself excited right now. <laughs> because as I say this, I'm not just saying it and say, well, this would be wonderful. I can see it, you know. And so I get excited about seeing a church. Imagine this, not a church with some... S- Section of just the really awesome people that are all sitting right here in the front two rows, you know, like, like guys, let's just cheer them on, you know, these guys are amazing, right? Imagine an entire church that's mobilized, an entire church that understands their identity in Christ, an entire church that knows my gift, my grace, my call, my identity, and they're at work every day saying, God, what's your plan and purpose for my life today? And we start to see a move of God like that happen. I'm telling you, we will not have enough seats to put out. This place will fill up too many times. And I believe that that's, that's part of what God's calling us to in the season that's ahead of us. So, so what, do we, what do we need as a church? Well, number one, we need unity. Remember I said that. The alignment of all of those things. The world needs strong churches. We need unity. But we also need to be spirit filled because without the power stuff, we're not going to be able to do the commission thing. Does that make sense? So we need to be spirit-filled. But we also need to be kingdom focused. Because it's not about just going off. where God is establishing something significant. We 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 gotta be kingdom focused. And I'll tell you the other thing we need, we need to be gospel-centric. You know, some people are gonna wander off into crazy territory, right? It comes back to gospel. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta be so grounded in the gospel and this message that I was sharing with you and, and talking about what it is. That's the place from which we do ministry. I mean, that is, that is how we filter everything is, is through the good news and, and the scriptures and the word of God. And, 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 and that's what we have to get our heart into and get our heart wrapped around. And I believe that when God has a church that is unified, so we're all working in this together side by side. And if we've got a church that's spirit-filled, so we're, we're filled with the presence of God, we got a, a church that is kingdom focused. And we all understand that we, we, we play different roles. But we're all here to establish the kingdom in a, in a different way. We are gospel centric guys. It's never going to not be about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about what He's done. We can't do any of the other stuff until we understand that thing. Uh, if, if God finds a church like that, whew, He's going to move through it. Amen. He's going to move through it. And so we can have all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, we still need vision. We need vision for a number of reasons, but here's what vision does is it pulls everything together because we could just have those things that operate in isolation of each other. But what we actually want as a church when we have vision, it actually pulls everything together and says, this is what it looks like when it works together. I reckon it's hard for some people to have vision in their life because they can't see past their current circumstances. But let me just tell you, because I heard someone explain vision to me once like this and it was really, really helpful. They said, if... For the next 20 years, you succeeded at everything God put in your heart. What would it look like? I thought, oh, that's good. Imagine if there was nothing stopped you. There was no resistance. And every single year, everything that you saw, everything unfolded. That's God's vision for your life. And so we, what do we need? We need vision. What's vision? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the language of the Spirit of God, isn't it? It is. That's the language of the Spirit of God. That's how He speaks to us. And that's how God still speaks to us through, through that. And it, and it creates that unity because it carves a path forwards. And we say, all right, we all know what we're here to do. Wouldn't it be great if we just, as church, <laughs> come on, yeah. we all know what we're here to do, right? Yeah. Let's run it down. Yeah. So listen, listen to what the scriptures say in Acts 2 verse 17. It says, In the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. One of the most encouraging things for me out of this is that I'm still getting vision. So I'm a young man. So, but if I start to only have dreams... It's time to hand the church over, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, I got vision and, and, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And I want to share what that is. I want to share what I believe God is really saying to us. And I'm going to read out eight things to you that I think are really important for us as a church. And then I'm going to pull it all together so that it makes sense because it's just easier to remember one sentence at the end. But let's talk about what it is. Number one, I, I see a church of passionate, kingdom focused, spirit filled disciples of Jesus. Come on, imagine an entire church like that. Seriously, just imagine an entire church that is like that. An entire church. Not just one or two or a select group or the leaders, but an entire church that's passionate about God. You know, that, that, that really drives what we do in life, that we're, that we're spirit-filled and there's no, there's no superstars. Everyone's on the team. That's why we call it the dream team. We're all working together to do the same thing. We're, we're filled with the Spirit of God. We're, we're, we're kingdom-focused. You know, we know what we're here to do. We know what our, our gift is, our grace is, and all of this. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Yeah. Guys, you know, the Scriptures say this. Your life is not your own. You've been bought at a price. Does that ever sit on you and just rest upon you? Yeah. Like, just, just meditate on that when you go home today. Seriously, just meditate on that. But you've been bought at a price. Paul says, I'm not my own anymore. I belong to Him. And it's what He wants for my life. Can you imagine like just hundreds and hundreds? Think about it. Across the earth, like thousands of people that just went, that's, that's my life first. Uh, my life's not my own. It's all about Him. Let's establish everything that He wants us to establish. That gets me excited. Number two, a church where people encounter God, are saved and know their identity in Christ. Guys, we've got to create encounters for people. I was at an an ACC, that's a movement we're a part of. I was at an ACC breakfast yesterday and I was speaking to these pastors and we were talking about encounter. I talked about how important it is to have encounters with God. If you don't have an encounter with God, you'll be spiritually dry right now if you don't have any of them. Do you know that the Scriptures say that we can be filled with this Spirit continually? And so there there, there needs to be moments for fresh and filling. But I'll tell you something else. You find anyone that's doing something significant for God right now, ask any of them and it'll come back to encounter. It always comes back to encounter. Why did you say yes Well, because God spoke, somebody prophesied. There was a moment in worship. You know, God gave me a dream. I wrote it down, right? It's all encounter stuff. If we create an environment that doesn't have encounters with God, we're not going to find people accelerated into the things that God's got for them. So we've got to have encounters with God. It's so important that we do that. And the other thing that we do when we create encounters with God is we see people get saved. I mean, they've got to be present. They've got to be you know, present in, in, even in just thinking about church services. They've, if they've already given their life to Jesus, you can't save them again. But if they're here and they don't know Jesus and they have an encounter with God, they do. They get saved. They're going to hear the gospel and understand what it really means. But at the end of the day, it's God that does the work, isn't it? What well, does the scriptures say you can fix the world of sin, righteousness and of judgment of the Holy Spirit I'm talking about. And so it's not our job to do the convicting. It's God's job to do the convicting. But we present the hope of the gospel and speak to what it really means. And guys, I you know, I would do that in every single message that you ever hear. We've got to talk about both halves, not just what you're saved to, but what you're saved from. Because it's important to have all of these things. And I think if we have those things in the message and we literally say what the Scriptures say about all of that, we're going to see people give their lives to Jesus. And at the end of the day, I think that every single person needs to have their identity in Christ. (sighs) You can't walk around and be insecure in your your gift, and your grace, always comparing what you're doing to what other people are doing. You can't do that. It just doesn't work. Oh, it's horrible if you have someone that's completely insecure. It's worse if they're a leader. You know, they're always insecure about who they are as a person. You, you, you build your life on Jesus. Yeah. You've got to know who you are. It's so important. I just did four weeks on the subject, and I actually had eight weeks worth of content. I think I'll save the second half for next year, because to be honest, right, if you don't understand how to lock that thing in about that foundation being in Jesus, it's really hard to build on top of that. You need to be secure. Yeah. Be secure in who you are. Your affirmation comes from Him. Who am I? I'm a child of God. He loves me. That's enough. And the rest is just, you know, Him working through me. And I can, you know, be whatever He wants me to be. Look at the Apostle Paul. What did he say? I, Paul, an apostle called by God. You know, he just, here's this guy that just knew who he was. And out of who he was, he was able to do amazing ministry. you you got to know who you are. you got to be secure. You know who's Secure. Dads, dads that wear socks with thongs—they're secure. They don't care, guys. They don't care. Someone's gonna go serious. They're like, I don't care. They don't care. They're secure in who they are. They don't need the affirmation of anyone. Do you know how you look? I don't care. They don't care. They don't—they're not worried about it. They're just secure in who they are, and and, and it's not great to look at, but it's a beautiful thing to see. You know? You understand what I'm saying? You just got to be secure in who you are. You got to know who you are in Jesus. People that cut their own hair—they're secure. You know that. that is, somebody came up to me after the first service and said, "I cut my hair," and I said, "Yeah, and you're secure. I can see it." So, you know, like, you, if you know who you are, it doesn't have to. Listen, you, seriously, it, it's worth touching on on appearance because God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but He looks inside of your heart. Amen. So who cares what you look like? God is going to do something in you if you have the faith to believe that He's going to do something in you, if that makes sense to you. So we don't worry about that stuff. Just be secure in who you are and who God's called you to be. Here's a third one. A place where people are trained for ministry, developed in their spiritual gifts and are pursuing their calling. I just say that that's discipleship. People just being discipled in who they are. Whatever your, whatever your spiritual gifts are, just being discipled in that. I, I don't know how many people I would know that probably have some sense of their calling, but they are not even expressing that. You know, how many seasons can you have out before you realize it's just your life? You know, it's just how you're living. You said that 10 years ago. Come on, it's time to get back on with what God put in your heart. Stop shelving everything. No, it's not in there to shelve all the, all the things. <laughs> I just thought I'd double check. It's not in Psalm 12 anyway, but <laughs> you know, I just, if you shelve everything till you're 90, you'll be filled with regret yeah. because you'll say the life that I could have lived, I didn't live because I was insecure. I didn't have the faith to believe in it. Maybe, you, maybe one of the reasons is you didn't get discipled. You, did, you didn't get mentored. And I think that Pastor Matt, he, he leads this area of our church. It's our teaching pillar as a church, right? So the discipleship, the, you know, we just had the interns graduate. I think that that's awesome to see. Love to see that. That's just one expression. We do this through small groups. Obviously, Sunday service is important, but you need to get into a relationship where there's one-on-one connection, whether that's your small group leader and you're connecting with them outside of that, or find someone that's got the gift that you you know you've got to and say, how can I steward this better? Or what can I do with this? Because if you don't learn how to use it, it's not going to go as far as it could. You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We're actually meant to help each other get better at this. And, it's, and I, th- I think Corey might have said this last week. You don't have to have everything down pat. Just be a step ahead of the next person or don't make that mistake. Oh, I did that once. Don't do that. You know? you know, I wouldn't make that mistake again. That's good advice to somebody who might repeat what you do. So if you're a person that's made mistakes with your life, awesome. Why not you impart some wisdom into the lives of people that are coming up? Our young people, you know, all these teenagers that are being brought into the church right now that are saying, oh, I was thinking about doing this with my life and somebody that's 25 is going to say, don't you dare. I tried that. It was a big, big, big mistake, right? Let's just avoid that whole season in your life. Do you know what I'm saying? you got something to impart to the next person. We need discipleship in the church. Here's the next one. Number four, um, a church who stay culturally relevant, are anchored in the Word of God and able to teach and move in the Spirit. Guys, I want to always be culturally relevant. Because if we ever become irrelevant, if we can't speak into our culture, because we just, I'm not saying God's Word becomes outdated, but we can. Like in the way that we speak, in the way that we might maybe even express church and do things. You know, there there are, trust me, there are plenty of churches all around the world right now that are closing and on mass scale since COVID because they became irrelevant. They didn't speak into the things that they were meant to speak into. I want want to be culturally relevant, but boy, does that thing have to be anchored in the Word of God. It has to be anchored in the Word of God because there are some people that overcorrect in their desire to see people that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus, they change their doctrine and they change what the Word of God says. Why? Because in their heart of hearts, maybe rightly motivated, but in their heart of hearts, they actually really wanna see people come to know who Jesus is. Yeah, well, if you don't introduce them to who He really is, you're not helping them anyway. So we better find what the Word of God says. And you guys would know this. I say this in every, every message, you know, who cares what I say? It really doesn't matter. I could have some wonderful revelation, but if it's completely unbiblical, it doesn't matter. You probably shouldn't listen to it. You know, you got to get back to the Word of God and what it says. But if we have all word and no spirit, we lose encounter. And if we lose encounter, we stop people accelerating into the call of God that's on their life. And some movements have done this some movements have been freaked out by the things of the spirit some movements have said it's just safer to stay with this so you'll never see an expression of the spirit in their service because they they just anchor themselves to this i don't know if you've ever heard this but i heard this many many years ago if you have all word and no spirit you dry up if you have all spirit but no word you dry up or you blow up but if you have word and spirit you grow up and guys we need both we don't want to be all spirit and then blow up. I've seen it. It's horrible. And, and you don't want that. Right? And we don't want to be all word of no spirit because we lose encounter. You need to have wisdom. You need to have the balance of both in your church so that you can see good things happen. You believe me? I think this is so important and we need it as a church. Here's the next one. A multi-site church with ministry pathways and local church colleges to raise leaders because that needs to happen and empower every generation. One of the reasons we haven't planted a church yet is because we haven't locked in home base. And I've seen this happen and spoken to many people that have planted churches. And it's real exciting as you launch out. But then if you launch out and you haven't actually locked in the things that you need to lock in, I've seen pastors spending entire weeks trying to solve their location problems because they don't know where to go when the culture is squeezing Um, you know, the church out of certain venues. And we've seen that happen in recent times. And one of the things that I've seen that has worked time and time again is when you're a strong and unified church and you've actually locked in home base and you launch from a place of strength, it actually accelerates really quickly. One of the things that we need to do is lock in home base. And I believe that this is what God has spoken to us about. He said, lock this thing in first. You need to buy a building. You're going to grow to a position of strength and then you're going to start to plant churches, and they're going to happen. And I and when we are even developing ministry pathways right now, we've already got it. We I think in the last couple of weeks we, we're developing in like an online uh, partnered with uh, discipleship and mentoring ministry pathway. I think we filmed where's Amy? What forty two sessions? We filmed 42 sessions in the last couple of weeks. And all of that is like the best stuff we've learned in 10 years. Because what I wanna see is that whatever we can do in our generation to build as much as we can, so we leave a legacy. And I don't want people that that are coming into a relationship with Jesus right now to have to take the hard path you know and 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 to go and learn all the same mistakes what if we could just accelerate their growth by giving them our absolute best you know and it's about discipleship and mentoring and it's it's all of that stuff but we're creating ministry pathways that'll take somebody all the way from being brand new in church it begins with the foundation of your identity and it goes all the way through until you can plant a church and we just you know what over the years we're gonna we're gonna launch this next year i'm excited about it but but um I reckon this is going to be something that we just continually work at and improve on. And if you if you want to grow as a person, not in your relationship with God, but also, um, you know, just maybe you do want to plant a church. We're going to create spaces for people to do that. And I believe that God blesses the work of our hands. And as we start to do this, we're going to see amazing things happen. All right. Here's the next one. Um, a missional church who are generous and have the resource to meet people's needs, transform their local city and advance the kingdom of God. We're developing a community care um, that is going to be something that we've never done before. It'll actually exist in a a way. So right now, community stuff sits under the banner of Bright Church. We're going to create something new and something different that allow us to have access to resource that we can't get as a church. And the cool part about that is, is that it won't even be funded by us. It'll be funded by other people, um, you know, and we'll be able to get grants for this stuff and be able to do the work that we want to do in the in the community. And we're developing this. It's going to take some work, but next year we're working on this. And I believe I, it'd be great to be able to launch the next year, but it's going to take as long as it takes. And at the end of the day, we're, you know, in, by 2024, I think we'll be ready to just see this church reach out into the community. So listen, if you've got a heart for the community, man, are you going to have a way to express your heart's desire? You know, I mean, are you excited about that? I hope you are. All right, here we are. A church that loves people so well, the community thrives and new people feel like home. I always love it when people say, gosh, I walked in and it just felt like home. Here's the last one. A church who are committed to each other and united in making a difference. Oh, it speaks to me of family. There are multiple expressions of church everywhere. But I like family. I, there's probably why we're meant to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, there needs to be a structure. If you've got no structure, like things don't happen. Trust me, the team didn't just show up today and say, what are we playing? What are you doing? And like they planned it, guys. They, they, they thought it through. They prayed over it. They planned it. We've got to have some system. We've got to have some structure. But man, I love it when it's family. And I feel like God's called us to be a family. You know what I love about family? Is that they talk, they communicate, they work stuff out, they're united. You know, you love, you, you love your family. You do anything for them. I love it where, when church is like the same thing, you know, and you, and you do anything for each other. So if I just take all of these pieces and pull it all together, what are we? Are united? Spirit-filled, kingdom-focused church. To reach generations for jesus and for me i'm like i'm excited by that i want to see that happen i want to i want to see us lead so many people to know who jesus is and it's not just like one people group it's it's multiple you know multiple generations our, our church is actually becoming so diverse right now you know even across cultures even across age groups it's 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 happening and I just see us leading more and more people to, to to know who Jesus is. So look, I think this is a biblical vision um, for a Spirit-filled church that God's going to work through. And as we set out into that first year, next year, significant year, our theme is, you already know it because you're probably sitting on it right now, is that it's, it's Word and Spirit. Because I believe that what God is calling us to do is to make sure we've got both of those things. Guys, we've got to know what the Word of God says. And it's still at the same time, it must give way to kingdom expression at the same time. We need both of these things at the same time. Because if we don't have both of those things, I just don't think we're going to see everything that God wants us to do. Knowing His Word, moving in the Spirit, seeing good God do amazing things in our church. That's what I, I want to see. And, and and when we've got that, when we've got those things right, I feel like it honours God. And wherever God on, is honoured, I feel like His presence remains. Yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. Like if you honour God with your life, His presence will remain on you. Yeah. There's a story in the Bible, and I'm going to finish with this. There's a story in the Bible, and it's about a bush. Yeah, a, like a, a bush. And I think back and I go, there, there might, like in that period of time where they were writing the Scriptures, there must have been so many bushes. But only... Or maybe there are, maybe there are multiple bushes in, in the Bible. I don't know. There's been a lot of bushes over time. George Bush. There's been a lot of bushes. But there's one bush that stands out in the Bible. It was the bush that was burning but wasn't consumed. It was just a, was just a bush. <laughs> and we're still talking about it today. That bush... Like it's gone. I don't know where it is, right? But, you know, we're still talking about it. And what made that bush special? It hosted the presence of God. The presence of God rested on it. The presence of God remained on it. And it turned an ordinary, boring bush into something that we still speak about. It's amazing. We talk about it as if it's amazing. Imagine God doing that to a church. His presence just resting on it and it becomes amazing. Why? Not because we're amazing, because He's here. Does that make sense? This is what God does. He turns what's ordinary and makes it extraordinary. He turns ordinary people into extraordinary ministers of the Gospel. And when you start to get the presence of God into your life and into church, and you know, when you see this stuff happen, right? I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. People speak about it. I think the presence of God is actually the best part of church for all the stuff that we could have. Man, that's gotta be the most important, right? Imagine if we were doing this without Him. I really need to finish. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you one more thing. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. When He says that, sometimes we talk about that being people's hearts. But it's not. It's actually meant to be a church. It's in the, in the age of the Laodicean church. He knocks on the door and says, can I come in? Imagine if we would Imagine if we were doing church and he wasn't even here. Wow. <laughs> and, and 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 what I what I know to be true about that scripture and about this age is that there are churches everywhere becoming irrelevant because they don't have the presence of the Spirit of God in them. And Jesus is saying, "Can I come in? Would it be all right if I was part of your your church service?" I think we might have even heard it last week. Like uh, So much of the church today could continue without the presence of God and you wouldn't even notice the difference. And I thought that can't happen. That's That's how they shut down. That's how they become irrelevant. We want to have the presence of God on us and see the presence of God move through us. Amen. Come on, stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.